around, say hello to somebody tonight. So glad everyone made it out. Fantastic. That is good. All right. Good crowd. Come on in. God bless you. All right. Tonight we're going to be going to prayer after a while. We've got things local and, and uh, international and everything in between to pray about tonight. But right nearby you there is the envelope that says, Give the gift of God's Word at the end tonight. We'll receive an offering. And we are giving special offerings through the end of February to place in the hands of every third world believer that we possibly can a, uh, a beautiful, hardbound Bible in their language that uh, they'll be able to have for generations. And they wouldn't have it otherwise. Eight dollars per Bible delivered to them. Let's do it. Amen. Let's break all the records and let's get the Word of God out. Now, coming up this week, a lot of exciting things. Of course, this Saturday, it looks like the weather's going to cooperate, so praise the Lord. We've got cleaning at 9. We've got visitation at 10. Let's get those door hangers and, and uh, visitation packets and literature out. A lot of soul winning going on. Praise God. People being invited, people coming in. We've seen a good good flow, a good uh, good. Uh, influx of people coming in because of your faithfulness in visitation and soul winning. Praise God for you. Let's plan to do it. Then also Saturday, don't forget to tune in at 3 o'clock. We're in uh, the uh, 1800 series, which is the book of Exodus, and it is so alive and so practical. I trust that you'll tune in at 3 o'clock, and uh, we will have uh, session 1804. Don't miss it. we got... Uh, we got to, we got to get Moses and the Israelites out of Egypt here, and it's going to take a few more sessions. So I hope you'll be a part of that. Come out Sunday, and uh, we're going to be preaching from the Word of God messages that will inspire and encourage you and inform you and help you. Uh, be out for Sunday school. Be out for morning service, evening service. Don't miss any of it. And then a week from this Saturday, we have our youth and kids. Extravaganza. We've got flyers out there. Take them with you. Everybody four years of age through 18 years of age, divided up by their age designation and grouping. And uh, there's going to be all kinds of games and activities and competition and prizes, excitement, food stacks, a Bible challenge. Praise God. Folks are going to get saved. Breakout time, fun, fellowship, music, and lots of new friends. It's going to be great. Don't miss out. We've got these available. I hope you'll pick yours up and be a part of that. We have sung faith is the victory. We have victory in Jesus. And the only way that we fail in the Christian life is if we quit. If we quit on God. If we don't do what God has told us clearly in His Word. Uh, you say, well, I just feel like it. Well, you see, you felt like it, then you acted upon that feeling instead of upon faith. Faith is the victory that overcomes the world. Praise God for that truth. And we've got it in Old New Testaments alike. There is no difference. Everybody, uh, the plan of salvation is the same. It's just a different perspective. Old Testament, they're looking forward to Calvary and the empty tomb. And uh, in our day, we look back to Calvary, the empty cross and the empty tomb, and praise God for the finished work of Jesus Christ and whereby we are justified. Praise the Lord. Now, Jesus Christ... Jesus Christ spoke using parables. In the Old Testament, we have Proverbs. We have all kinds of illustrations. Paul never spoke without using metaphors or illustrations. Very important that we do that to let the light in so people can understand what Bible truth is 
and what it means to us personally. I believe the Bible's true, but it doesn't do any good if people don't understand it. We want them to understand it. And so here, the Apostle Paul in the book of Romans is giving us Bible illustrations so that we can let the light in and understand uh, using the examples of great uh, individuals of the Bible. We have Abraham, Moses, and David in this chapter, uh, three great, great uh, leaders and those that certainly were known by those that were receiving this, this uh, message. Paul is talking about the conversion of two of them and he quotes the writings of the third, and that's David, of course. But it's not, not works, but faith that counts. Remember that. Put it down. It's faith and not works that counts with God. Now, with people, people keep, keep track. They keep record, don't they? People tend to do that, say, well, this week I did this, and I did that, and I didn't do this, and I was sure to add this to my list, my checkoff list, and that's all fine. That has a place in keeping our, our thoughts and our behavior lined up with a godly pattern, but it doesn't get us any real estate. It doesn't gain us anything with God. God looks on the heart. David was said to be a man after God's own heart. We need to remember that's what God is taking stock of. When He measures us, He doesn't put it up alongside what we have done or plan to do or, or accumulated, uh, have, have done these accumulated things. But instead, the measuring stick is put up alongside our heart. And Jesus Christ is the standard. He is the measuring stick. So praise God for that truth. All right, so... Here we have in Romans chapter number 4 these illustrations given. We don't want to ever, ever get caught up with who we are and what we've done. Uh, we're, not, uh, we're not anything. Our sins have been cared for by the finished work of Jesus Christ. And when Jesus died, was buried, rose from the dead, if we call upon the name of the Lord and we're saved, that takes care of our sin debt, past, present, and future, insofar as justification is concerned. That's what this chapter is all about, justification. Now you say, oh, well, I'm going to work extra hard to sit, just to make sure, just to make sure. Then you're not, you're not believing. And so it doesn't count uh, on, the, on the plus side. It counts on the minus side. It's debt. Every time we try to do something to add to what God has already done, we're taking away from the faith side. How many of you understand what I'm saying? You understand that? That's the principle. You say, well, it just comes natural because that's what religion is and that's what, what uh, religious groups do. And they do have a tendency to legalistically get people uh, uh, engaged in their whatever it is uh, so that when it's all said and done, they've taken away from faith and they've tried to add to with works. Don't... Uh, don't make that mistake. Now, in the Old Testament, the way sins were dealt with, it was dealt with by the type or the symbol of Jesus Christ. You know, the blood of bulls and goats and so on and so forth. You know what I'm talking about? Well, just like in the Garden of Eden, when uh, uh, Adam and Eve tried to, tried to cover themselves when they realized that they, that they needed to be covered, they covered themselves with leaves, right? Until God killed the animal and gave them skins. And now we have, at the very beginning, the shedding of blood. Without the shedding of blood, we don't have the, the covering taking place. 
in that, in that particular paradigm, sin is not annihilated. But with the coming of Jesus Christ, you have not the symbol, but you have the Savior. So you no longer have the symbol of the covering, but instead we have the Savior that annihilates the sin, that does away with sin. Sin is gone. It's as far from us as the east is from the west. It's not the same situation. In the Old Testament, they had so many different ceremonies and procedures to follow. I'm very, very thankful that we have what we have in Jesus Christ. He is the one who has satisfied the holy requirements of God. Last week, we were made acquainted again with the word propitiation. Everybody say propitiation. You say, I don't plan to use that word very much. Well, propitiation means that God looks at us through the finished work of Jesus Christ and He's satisfied. So if you say, well, I'm going to do these other things to try to really make sure, to, to really be certain you're taking away from faith, and as a result of that, you have marred the perfect picture that we have in Jesus Christ. It's not that I'm lazy, but faith is the victory that overcomes the world. Amen. Amen. All right. So we have read those first five verses. Those first five verses. And now we come to verse number six in Romans chapter number four. Even as, now the word as introduces a simile. That is an English figure of speech. As David also describeth the blessedness of the man unto whom God imputeth righteousness without works. Now we're going to come back to that. I want you to turn with me over to Psalm 32. Psalm 32. This is a psalm of David. He's going through a time of distress. And this is a maskil. And the maskil is the Hebrew word indicating it is a teaching psalm. Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. That's Old Testament. Blessed is the man unto whom the Lord imputeth not iniquity. Iniquity is the lowest form of sin. That's the most radical graphic form of sin. And in whose spirit there is no guile. So it's a matter of character as well as the transaction that's taking place. All right, so that's the reference being made in Romans chapter 4. David describing the blessedness, when he says, blessed is the man whose sin, whose iniquity is forgiven. All right, unto whom God imputeth righteousness without works. So his sin isn't counted to him. Impute, look this way. You understand compute? A computer? Well, impute is an accounting term. So it has to do with accounting. So when God looks at us, having been forgiven by the finished work of Jesus Christ, not just sins covered symbolically, but sins annihilated because of the Savior, He sees us as righteous. He imputes or computes or accounts, not sin to our account, but righteousness. Now, there is none righteous, no, not one. That means in and of, of ourselves, there is no righteousness in us. Even our own righteousness are like filthy rags, it says in Isaiah. So, we understand that. But God isn't looking at anything that we've done or tried to add to our faith. 
When we serve the Lord, we serve the Lord because we love Him. When we serve the Lord, we do out of gladness and joy. We don't do so out of debt. We don't do so uh, to try to pay off or, or help you know, our account a little bit, get a little... little uh, you know, people will do this and say, I'll go to church and maybe God will favor me. No, the only way going to church will favor you is that you're obedient to God. But it's, you don't get points for that. It doesn't work that way. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together means that we have obeyed God, and because we've obeyed Him, that indicates character. People who go to church go to church, hopefully, because it is an expression, an outward expression of their inward character. You see? Who are you? Who am I? What are we? That's what it's all about. Amen. Amen. Now, don't get mad. All right? I'm telling you the truth. I'm telling it like it is tonight. Amen. All right, so... God imputeth righteousness without works, verse 6, saying, verse 7, Blessed are they whose iniquities are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord will not impute sin. Why will he not impute sin? In terms of justification, once it's taken care of, that would be double jeopardy, wouldn't it? It's already taken care of. So, you know if you believed in the Lord Jesus Christ. If you believed on Him for salvation the Bible way, you believed on Him to save you from the penalty of your sins. So the debt, the penalty of your sins, all paid for, past, present, future. That's it. The old account was settled long ago. Amen. So cometh this blessedness then upon... Now we have the word circumcision. I realize some people might be uncomfortable because of the frequency of that term in this passage. But everywhere it is, it refers to the law system of the Old Testament Jews. That's what it's referring to. It's not referring to the procedure or the mark, but it's referring to the people, that group of people, who are under the law, the ceremonies, the Old Testament symbols. That would be Old Testament covenant Israel. It's not us. And so the question is asked, cometh this blessedness then upon only Jews under the law? or upon those that are not under the law. All right, so look at what the rest of that verse says, verse number 9. For we say that faith was reckoned to Abraham for what? Was it for belonging to the law system, belonging to that group? No. For what? For righteousness? How is it reckoned? When, when he was under the law, or, or when he was not under the law? All right, and he received... That sign, a seal of the righteousness of the faith which he had yet being uncircumcised, that he might be the father of all them who believe, though they be not, that righteousness might be imputed unto them also. So look this way. Here's, here's what Paul is saying to the Romans. He's saying that sign the Jews signified that they were Hebrews, they were Jews, under the Old Testament law system didn't have any saving value in and of itself. It's not like in the Old Testament they got saved by the law and in the New Testament we get saved by grace through faith. People have always been saved the same way, looking to Jesus Christ. Are you with me on that? Amen. Now, there are people either who are hyper-dispensationalists or people who are hyper-something and they, they believe there are different systems of uh, plans of salvation, and that's not true. 
There's only one plan of salvation. It's just a different perspective. Old Testament, they're looking forward to the cross and to the empty tomb. We're looking back to the cross and the empty tomb. I also realize that my, by my saying that, there are some King James-only Bible believers who don't agree with that, and they will attack me for that. And if that's what they need to get their daily constitution, their exercise, then so be it. I don't really care. I know why I'm saved. I'm saved because God did all the saving. I didn't have anything to do with it. There has never been, nor will there ever be, anybody who can add to salvation by their works, by their religion, by their rituals. There you go. So, we have this given to us. Verse number 13. For the promise that he should be the heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. Underline that phrase, the righteousness of faith, because you see, when you have faith in Jesus doing it all, that's counted on God's account, accounted to you for righteousness. So it's called here, the righteousness of faith. How did you get saved? I got saved by the righteousness of faith. That's it. For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. So we have seen already that justification is by faith, not by works. And praise God, we could say it's faith, it's faith in the revealed truth, the Word of God. And by that we know that Jesus Christ did what He did for us. That's the way that we know it. So we have different words that you want to look out for in this passage of Scripture. You want the word reckon. Say, so wait a minute. That's what we say down in the country. We say, I reckon, don't we? How many of you are from down the country where they say, I reckon? Okay, all right. And it is... Very, very important that we understand that that's not just a colloquial saying. It has to do with the way God sees things. God sees things. Now, of course, God can see everything. He sees people's false attempts to save themselves by their works, by their churchianity, and so forth. So we have reckon. That's, that's the way we ought to be thinking about things. We ought to be thinking with who? With God. We ought to be thinking according to what? According to the Bible. Now, if somebody says, well, I just have my own way of thinking, then you can look at them and say, with all due respect, even though it's a free country, you're thinking wrong. You're thinking wrong. If you're not thinking with God, you're thinking wrong. So we need to reckon it like God reckons it. We need to understand that He imputes, He accounts our faith, our belief in the finished work of Jesus Christ to us for righteousness. It's the righteousness of faith. Now, that doesn't mean we really, 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 really believed hard. We really believed a lot. We really believed seriously. That would be works. Either you do or you don't believe. Either you do or you don't receive. Either you do or don't trust Christ. Say, so, well, I, I'm kind of coming to it. I'm sort of there. No, you're not. You either believe or you don't. 
either a saint or you ain't. You say, well, I'm one of those that's just in between. No, here's what you are. You got your foot on the pier, and your other foot is on the edge of the boat, and that boat's moving away. And any second, you know where you're going to be? You're going to be in the water. That's where you're going to be. So you better make up your heart and mind right now. Are you going to believe Jesus Christ totally and completely for your soul's salvation? Or are you going to try to do something to help God out? If you try to help God out, that's not it. There are people today who are in religious groups where they think work's got something to do with it. You say, are they saved or lost? Depends on how they believed. If they believed that God was doing all the saving when they believed, then they're saved. Even if they're messed up in their heads after the fact and they think they got to do something to retrieve something that was lost. There's a lot of people like that. But if when they believed initially, they believed that it was all God doing the saving, then they're still all saved because we're not saved in our heads. We're saved in our soul, in our spirit, in our heart. And if your head's all mixed up, I like what one evangelist friend of mine used to say. He said, you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and later on God will fix all of the curls and the kinks and the stuff that's wrong with your head and your brain. He'll fix all of that. And I believe that. I absolutely believe that. It's not based on how we think because every once in a while people have an assurance issue, don't they? Sure they do. And what do they need? They need to get into the Word. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Now, there, there is a belief, uh, a doctrine, so to speak. It's a false doctrine that's taught in some Baptist circles down in Arkansas in that part of the country. Down in Arkansas, there's a thing called Martinism. Martinism. Uh, all due respect to everybody named Martin. But Martinism says this. If you doubt, you're damned. And they take that scripture out of context. So that any time a person who has received Christ starts to have some second thoughts, starts to have some questions, because they're doubting in their, their weakness of their mind, somehow they've lost their salvation. They're not actually saved. There's a lot of good, decent, believing people who sometimes have problems with assurance. They just need to get into the Word, and that'll square it all up. That'll straighten it all out right there. You trust the Lord. You trust the Word of God. That's where we have to go with it. So there it is. All right. All right, so it says in verse 13, For the promise that he should be the heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. For if they which are of the law be heirs, faith is made void and the promise made of none effect. Look here. We are dispensationalists. We believe in rightly dividing the word of truth. That's 2 Timothy 2.15. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Rightly dividing, cutting straight. All right, so we need to rightly divide. We need to cut straight. And here's what we need to understand. Nobody ever did get saved just because they were a Jew. Jews had to believe on the Lord as well. They had to believe the promises of God for the coming Messiah in order to be saved. People that never, ever, ever were under the law, 
that trusted God for the Savior, Jesus Christ, who would come, would be saved whether they were born a Jew or not, whether they were practicing under the law or not. All of that practice under the law was to picture Jesus Christ that was coming. That's where the fulfillment is. So if, if only Jews could get to heaven, then faith is made void. Are you with me? Nobody ever got saved by being a Jew. Nobody ever got saved by keeping the law. That's it. The law was the schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ. Amen. To show us our need of the Savior. Look at verse 15. Because the law worketh, what's the next word? Wrath. This is not the wrath of the devil. This is not the wrath of Antichrist. This is not the wrath of the world system. No. What is it? It is the wrath of God. The wrath of God. And the wrath of God was poured out upon Jesus Christ on the cross of Calvary. People in the Old Testament looking forward to the one who would come and take the wrath of God. And He did. Those of us who are now living after the cross and after the tomb, we look back to the one who took the wrath of God he bore it in His body. He took the punishment for you and for me. There it is. Very, very simple. I hope everybody tonight is getting this as clearly as you possibly can. You're not going to heaven because you're a Baptist. There are a lot of people that are going to hell because they think they're going to heaven because they're a Baptist. But guess what? If they don't get born again, they're going to hell. doesn't matter if they've been baptized every single time there's a baptismal service. They're still going to hell. Baptism won't save you. Joining the Baptist church won't save you. Going on visitation, working a bus route, teaching a Sunday school class, working with the kids, working in the nursery, receiving the offering, whatever it is, singing in the choir. That'll, man, you'll split hell wide open if you don't get born again. You've got to get saved the Bible way. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. The law worketh wrath. It's part of exposing our need of a Savior. For where no law is, there is no transgression. Therefore, it is a faith that it might be by grace. God's riches at Christ's expense. For by grace are you saved through faith. Something we could never earn, something we, we, we could never do for ourselves, God does for us. To the end, the promise might be sure to all the seed. Not to that only which is of the law, but to that also which is of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. Now the seed of Abraham, as we're going to see, is actually a reference singular to Jesus Christ. So it's in Christ that we have all those promises given through and to Abraham. So that's, that's it. Uh, we have, for example, in verse 17, we'll get there next week. As it is written, I have made thee a father of many nations before him whom he believed, even God, who quickeneth the dead and calleth these things, those things which be not as though they were. So there it is. That's, that's a, another way of calling it faith. There it is. So the law system doesn't save us. That's it. And people outside the law system gets saved the same way people under the law system get saved, by trusting the Lord, by trusting the one who would come to take our sins upon himself and become the sin offering. Abraham believed God. and God counted it to him 
for righteousness. So if it's by works, it's not of grace. We have to believe on the one who justifieth. And faith is counted for righteousness. That's all, that's all good. That's it. Righteousness imputed without works to people under and not under the law. The law system doesn't save. It points to Christ. It's that simple. I like, I like this Roman phrase that Paul uses. There it is. He's saying, he's saying very simply that if there is no uh, if there's no law, there's no offense. There's no penalty without the law. Abraham is our father, but our father not by blood, but by the blood of Jesus Christ, by faith in that finished work of Jesus Christ. There it is. Jesus is the seed. We'll see that next time. If we go to Galatians chapter 3, we'll see that as a cross-reference. I'm wondering tonight, as you examine your heart, and I examine mine, can you say for sure that you're part of that wonderful faith system by whom we have and by uh, which we have righteousness, the righteousness which is of Christ? I'm wondering tonight if there's any question. If there's any question at all, then settle it tonight. Let tonight be the night when you call upon Jesus and you say, there's not going to be any more question. Faith is the victory that overcomes the world. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Nobody looking tonight. And how many of you would say, Preacher, as you've been speaking about this important subject, being saved by grace through faith, I know I have no doubts. I have zero doubts that I've been saved that way. I know that I know that I know that I've been born again. I've been saved the Bible way. I know as certainly as I'm seated here, I'm here Right now, I know that I'm saved the Bible way. Slip your hand up. If you know that, if you know it, you know it, absolutely know it for sure. Amen. If you do not know that you're saved right now, you need to call on the name of the Lord. Pray from your heart to God right now. Here's what you pray. Dear God, I admit that I'm a sinner. I deserve to pay for my sins. I believe Jesus died to save me. Right now, I receive the Lord Jesus Christ into my heart as my personal Savior. Please take away my sins and take me to heaven when I die. And if you prayed that prayer tonight, I want you to slip out from where you are and come down here as we sing a, a hymn of amen. Enjoy that all.